we put all our strategy in, in a one pager. And when you try to be as crisp as you need to be, when you do that, I think there is a lot of learnings that come out of that. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Pontus Björsson. I'm the CEO of PE Accounting and you're listening to the B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Pontus. Thank you very much, Joseph. How are you? I'm very good today. Excellent. Nice to hear. And then we jump straight into it. First question always. We are starting with the elevator pitch. What does your company, PE Accounting, do? PE Accounting, we provide the most automated finance and payroll solution for SaaS and consulting companies that want to focus on growth. And um, I also must mention that when I we discussed that I would join your, your podcast, uh, I actually uh, checked who has been here before and actually one out of three guests before uh, is using our solution to focus themselves on growth. So I'm very uh, humble and grateful for that. That, that is a good list to have as customers. <laughs> it is a very good list and we are very happy and, and as I said, humble and proud to have them there. Uh, and also, besides uh, finance and payroll, I can also say that through our newly started daughter company, uh, Wellfish, uh, we are uh, setting out to do the same for sustainability uh, and sustainability reporting. So they focus on automating sustainability reporting uh, started just last year. And uh, now when we have uh, figured this first thing out, we are entering the segment of leadership. In my podcast, I have two big topics and then I have some curveballs and uh, high and lows. But the two main topics are leadership and business development. And Pontus, first thing here. Uh, yeah, this is a very straight question. Are you a good leader? <laughs> um, you know... Immediately, you start thinking about the struggle between Swedish humbleness and and uh, and then, of course, you know, I don't expect that you would have any guests that would say no. So, so I think I'm a good leader as well. I think I've gained knowledge uh, and, and experience through a number of different leadership roles now. So, um, and and people have trusted me in those roles. So, let's let's go for yes. What is the most common thing when people? give you feedback as a leader? What is like the main word that they have told you, like Pontus, you are really great at this. What, what is that normally? To discuss with me how to move their, their own business forward. Uh, so, so having me as a sounding board in that um, is one thing. And the other thing I, I is structure. And I think to have a, to have a structure for uh, developing the business. Can you share an odd thing you or a leader above you in the past have done, but that seemed to have a great amount of impact now when you look back at it? One thing which I think is making quite an impact on PE uh, accounting right now 
is that one and a half year ago, I named, I named our ideal customers. Uh, so we have two ideal customers. Uh, they are Stina and Panilla. Uh, and Stina is an entrepreneur, just like yourself, for instance, uh, that want to have, you know, want to have control over the finances uh, and want to spend as little time as possible. Want to be modern, want to have control, but don't want to, you know, spend effort on it. They want to focus on their business. So that's Stina. And then we have the other customer, which is Panilla, and that is a CFO of a mid-sized company. Uh, and there, the value prop is a bit different for us. And um, by starting talking about them as Stina and Panilla, I think it became very easily understood in, in the entire organization. Uh, and I think that independently of if you're working, I hope now in be accounting, if you work in sales, if you work in product management, if you work in developing, if you work in consulting, implementation, etc., most people now think, okay, is this still in our Panilla case? And then what do I need to do? Because now it's a Panilla case. Okay, then this is what we will do. And that is different from, from maybe if it would have been Stina. Uh, and, and we talk about, you know, our product development roadmaps, etc. We talk about how we do good for for both these different profiles. So, um, yeah, maybe uh, it, it, it's, it's a very small thing. And, and when I did it, it was, was more of a it wasn't that thought through. I just wanted to have a name for them. Uh, but it has turned out and, and I'm still, you know, repeating it. I, I always use it also actually in my own sales meetings. When I join sales meetings, I typically talk about this. Uh, and, and, and what we do to be the best possible provider for, for these people. So I would say, Yusef, you are, you are Stina for us, and we do this super good for Stina. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that could be one example. I've learned the hard way the importance of a really narrow ICP. Yeah. And we haven't, we haven't named them yet, but maybe that, that's a great story. <laughs> maybe we should also soon. Uh, so thank you, Fontes, for sharing. And this leads me into a bit more negative angle because everything isn't happy-clappy about being a leader. Some things are bad. What would you say are the worst things as being a leader? First of all, I would say that I'm very grateful to be a leader. Uh, I think it, it's extremely rewarding to work with you know talented people, to be able to... to uh, have a strong influence uh, and uh, and be close to very interesting customers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so I'm very grateful for that. But of course, yes, there are not always happy happy times, um, and I think maybe that's a personal uh, trait as well. But but one of the things which I consider worst is that even if you had like a super great week, you had a fantastic you know month. Maybe sales is going very good. Maybe you've launched new interesting uh, functionality or, or offerings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's always one thing which is not going well. There's always one thing that uh, that that you think that you should have done better, that you think that you need to do much better in the future, etc. And um, as a leader, at least I have a hard time. I, I try to remind myself to celebrate you know, success, but I have a hard time not getting caught by by that feeling that okay. Yeah, we have these three things, they were great, but, ah, and then you focus on the fourth one. And um, I, I think for me, that's probably one of the worst things. And have you built in mechanisms to tackle this? What, what is your best practice here to, to don't fall in the trap over and over and just... Yeah, I think what works best for me is that, uh, <laughs> very simple things actually, but I have um, I have quarterly meetings with my 
longer quarterly meetings with my management team, uh, where we always reflect on the previous quarter in order to also learn of that from that, of course. But then we reflect on, on the highs and the lows of that quarter, uh, and, and, and we do a process with that. And that when, when, always when I've done that, uh, it, it's extremely great to feel, you know, okay, we actually did all of these good things. We progressed this way last quarter because I tend to forget them, you know, after uh, after a week or so. It's a bit like, you know, a, a, a retrospect, uh, a quarterly retrospect. But I think that is, uh, uh, and we really, you know, we write down the the the, uh, the highs and lows, and, and I think that's uh, that's super nice. Is there something more here that you are really, because I, I'm not here to sell being a leader, I'm, I'm here to learn. Is there something more that you think are really bad about being a leader and maybe have a, you, some useful stuff for me to tackle it? I, I, as I said, you know, it's, it's fun to be a leader. Uh, and <laughs> but I think you should, you should always, of course, reflect you know, on what do you want to spend your time on? Nice. Then I move on together with you to the last thing here, uh, I, I, I think, but, but you shouldn't assume, but I already think I know what you will answer. The last thing here in the segment of leadership is, Pontus, if you have to summarize leadership from your point of view with one word, what would that be equal to for you? If I only will get one word, I would say uh, people. If I would get two words, I would say people and direction. <laughs> I will explain why, but I also, of course, want to hear what you expected. But <laughs> was it was it part of that, or did you expect something else? I expected that you were going to say uh, fun because you said so much. It's it's fun about being a leader, ah, and, yeah. and 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 people is fun in the right context. But yeah, no, but I wouldn't summarize leadership with fun. I, I would say people, uh, and uh, as I said, people and direction. But but people, you know. I think leadership is about making sure that you gather the right people uh, for the challenge that you have ahead, and also that those and that you can support these people to to be the very best version of themselves. And um, I think that's that's the core. Um, but then I also think that it, it's the responsibility of the leaders to make sure that you identify the direction that you're going, uh, and and that the, that direction, of course, you know, is is uh, there is, there is a strong enough customer need and that you have a competitive edge to fulfill that need, etc. And, and of course, if you do the first part right with people, the people will, will help you do that. <laughs> yeah. So we're leaving leadership behind and moving on to a bit lighter topic. A fun topic, because I want to know a fun fact, Pontus, about yourself that most people don't know about. Whenever I get the question most people don't know about, I, I say that I have been a board game creator um, which I think was, for me, was an extremely fun experience and, and I was very um, happy and I'm proud I did it. Maybe a, a board game creator is not the right word. Maybe it was a bit of a one-hit wonder, but uh, some years ago... It was a wonder then. What, it was. We were, uh, at one Christmas uh, season, we were the third best-selling board game at the department store NK in Stockholm. Oh. So, and we got fabulous reviews in all the big papers in uh, in Sweden, that was. Um, so um, I think it was a wonder, yes. Well, it was called Venture Capitalist. It was, uh, it was a bit of a more uh, advanced version of, of Monopoly, you can say, I guess. Uh, so uh, and 
me and two good friends uh, created the game together from scratch and, and designed everything and, and test test played it with our, our friends, etc. so it would work. Uh, but now it was long ago and not so many people know about it. So I will select that one. <laughs> nice. This is a great fun fact. And I need to ask the following questionnaire. Since the name was Venture Capitalist, did you lose or earn money on your board game? We earned money if you would would take our our um, our own hourly cost on a very low level. Then we earned money. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. That market is quite brutal market. So congratulations. We we found out eventually that it was a brutal market, but 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 we still got away with with uh, earning a small portion of money on it. <laughs> we move on to. Uh, yeah, I love this uh, thing here because now it's time for you, Pontus. It's a topic of your choice. I want to hear you talk about something that you are nerdy and truly passionate about for a couple of minutes. Then I will talk about. I guess it should be related to you know SaaS uh, CEO kind of work. So so <laughs> doesn't need to be, but so but I will talk about strategy execution. A couple of years ago, I, uh, I came in contact with, with uh, the scale-up methodology. It's called scale-up methodology. And, uh, and there, uh, I think I, I learned a couple of things which I really have had uh, dived into uh, the last years. And, and that is also how we try and run the company uh, now. Uh, and uh, what I learned there is that before that, I, I used to do strategy work and, and it was a quite heavy process. And... Uh, it resulted in a lot of powerpoints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, what I one of the things I, I love with this is that we put all our strategy in in a one pager. Uh, it's an A3, so uh, it, it's it's big, but it's still it's one A3, <laughs> not more. Uh, and uh, and when you try to be as crisp as you need to be when you do that, I think there is a lot of learnings that come out of that. And and one of the good benefits is also that you know you're not exhausted once you've done it, but but then you, when you need to revisit and refine and, and, and would continue to work with it, it, it's manageable, which I like. And another thing there is, is to, in terms of execution, then is of course, you know, how do you follow up on that? And how do you, how do you make sure that, that what you have thought will be reality? Uh, and there I have also worked a lot with, with frequency of things in, in that execution. So, I, I was part many years ago, you know, if you have like maybe a management meeting once every two weeks, it's three hours, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes a bit blurry. So what I like to do is that I would like to have, you know, I would like to separate a lot what we focus on. So what we do is that I'm actually right now planning that we will go into our annual meeting for 2023 um, this week. And then we have an annual meeting where we set the targets for this year, uh, the key initiatives that we will work on this year. And we also set the, what we call rocks, which are most important initiatives, three to five important initiatives for Q1. So we do that. Uh, that meeting will take two days. And then during the quarter, we go into an, a very operational mode. So then we have very short meetings once every week when we follow up towards these rocks. How are we progressing? What needs to be done, et cetera, et cetera. And those are just four or five minute meetings. And then we have one monthly meeting where we do just to do regular business follow up. But I like this thing about, you know, creating the overall initiatives, doing the retrospect that I talked about before, uh, but then going into a very operational mode during a quarter, which means that you, you get this good combination of 
not getting lost in questioning what you do too frequently, but actually really trying to push through of, of what is most important. I'm a bit nerdy about that. I hear that. I think it's been, uh, but I think it's been working very well, and and uh, it creates the, the right balance between strategy and execution. Did it make sense? Or yeah, this was good. This part I I can scroll back and listen to. I think I will listen to it several times. Just you know that you, I, I realized after talking about it because I normally talk about this and I explain it, of course. But but you don't explain it in one flow. It's it's more of a discussion typically. Yeah, but I I, I like this. A great, great input here. Uh, thank you for sharing. And uh, yeah, this means we have uh, arrived to the external segment because I love to lift other people up, and uh, so I have external questions. I let at least one person, sometimes two, uh, get their voice heard. And uh, for this episode, and for you, uh, it's time for you one. You one from Guava. And this is his question. Hi, Fontus. You one from Guava here. My question to you is, which challenge has created the most creative solution in your sales work? Thank you, you one. Uh, that was putting demands high challenge most creative solutions probably this is not the the answer that you expected you one but one thing that i learned from a former colleague of mine uh, which were extremely sales driven uh, was that his biggest fear was that we wouldn't start selling after holiday seasons so his solution to that was simple and that was that you should always have the sales kickoff the first working week after the typical holiday season so first week after um, you know christmas break first week after summer and that was maybe not creative but it was super effective in terms of getting sales going i'm not sure you one will be happy but uh, i will uh... <laughs> the most people that are not super sales savvy they don't know about this stuff so so i think for the majority of the listeners this is like Ah, so simple, but yet new, if you understand what I mean. It's actually simple, but very few people do it. Uh, so, Johan, uh, if you already knew about this, good for you. If you didn't, now you got a really simple but powerful answer here. So, thank you for your question. We move on to the other big segment, business development. And here, Pontus, we start with kicking off with KPIs. Which KPIs are the most important for you and why have you chosen them? I would say that our top three KPIs are net monthly recurring revenue growth. So net MRR growth. Uh, it's MPS provided by our customers and it's EMPS provided by our employees. I guess most SaaS companies would, would probably agree to the uh, net MRR growth. I think most though will, will probably talk about ARR. So annual recurring revenue. And uh, that is actually also what I've tracked before. But one good thing with going to MRR, which was already in PE accounting when I joined, is actually that uh, when, when, when you count it on a monthly basis, it creates a bit more urgency, I would say. Uh, and also it creates a feeling that every, you know, every euro or krona or dollar counts. Uh, you don't get lost and, and hide between big numbers because every every monthly uh, you know subscription counts. Uh, and of course, why we've chosen that one is, is of course that 
it, 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 it combines uh, new customer acquisition, it combines upsell to existing customers and, and you know, delivering more value to them, expanding our relationship with them, uh, with churn and, and also, of course, customers that we don't deliver enough value to that will reduce. So it combines all of that in, in one specific metric. And, and it's also very, I think it's, it's quite leading. We, we know already ahead, you know, where we will end up financially uh, when we track this because we have one or two months of implementation typically of our service, which is extremely fast. Uh, but I would say that we know one month or, or two months ahead, very, very close, how we will end up financially by tracking this number. Uh, then I think that the MPS numbers are... They are a bit dangerous and, and we also try to work below them. So we have, you know, other ways of following up customer satisfaction. We have other ways of tracking, of course, how our employees see, uh, see the company. But if we would just select one KPI, I would still go for the MPS number. Uh, and, uh, and of course, and we track that, uh, very closely, uh, on a regular basis. We move on within the business development field to go to market strategies. You've been in the business for long, and therefore I want to pick your brain here. Uh, can you share some best practices around go-to-market strategies for, for the scale-up state? I would say it's extremely important to get your ideal customer right and to dare to be narrow. Uh, we talked about it before. I, I, I called my customers Stina and Panilla. But uh, to be extremely uh, clear about your ideal customer. I think that needs to be the starting point of everything. And also dare to not focus, dare to not support other segments, dare to say no. Then I think when it comes to your, your marketing and sales work uh, in, in that go-to-market, I think it has become increasingly important. I think it's a challenge to stay stay up to date with, with the different ways that you can use to reach prospects and customers. And I think it's important to be able to, to try out a lot of different things at the same time, I think that you should never forget that even if you try out a lot of different things, outreach work in go-to-market is always hard work. It's about high activity level. Uh, it's about building trust once you get in contact with customers. I think that that's the basics. And I don't think that has, has changed. You know, uh, Like everybody else, we strive to create more inbound leads, et cetera, et cetera. But you still need to do the hard outreach reach work and, and have a high activity level. Then I think if, if I would share something, I, I, I talk quite a lot about that we need to practice. Go-to-market is actually uh, very, very similar, I would say, to, to the sports world. Uh, I'm a, a passionate uh, football leader uh, since many years. <laughs> uh, and I think that we practice, you know, the team practice four times per week, but they only play a game once per week during season. <laughs> But in, in our own sales work, I think we, we practice maybe once every month or once every quarter, maybe best case. But we try to, to you know, play the game several times every day. <laughs> and, I, and I think we need to shift that balance. So uh, it's important, you know, to, to know your pitch, to, to know your question, questions that you will tell, ask customers and, and, and the entire process uh, with the customer. It's important to practice. Uh, this is a good slide in, into the next question because you mentioned it, outreach Pontus. And since you're talking about outreach and you need to stay the game, of course, everybody wants inbound. What are your best tips 
from a modern outreach perspective. If I listen to this and I'm a sales rep, what is the best way to have the highest possibility to get you into a meeting? How would you like to get approached if you don't know that person? LinkedIn or email. It's not more complicated than that. And, and, and then one layer deeper, how, how, how would you like the messaging be to be like? I, I would, of course, like it to be as targeted as possible towards me uh, and, and my challenge. But also, if I would respond or not in a, in a positive way, has very much to do with timing. Because I think that there is a lot of things that you think about in the company. Uh, and if I'm reached with a, by a person that, that you know has insight into what we're thinking about at the time when we're thinking about it then of course then i would respond you know because it's excellent to take external input and to yeah. learn from the market since you said email and linkedin that's the field of where vam is moving would you say that a quick video message would help or hurt if the timing is right and the messaging is right a video message would definitely help because it, it you know once you get over that initial hurdle it, it it's about trust uh, and and uh, a video message is much more personal, so definitely would help. We only have three questions left, then Pontus. We have arrived to the roundup. What would you say to your younger self, CEO? One to top three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know five, ten years ago. Then I would say, uh, dare to deselect. Dare to. Dare to be focused and deselect. That would be one thing. Uh, and the other thing would be to that building good things takes time. I think there is a quote that I normally use that is from Bill Gates when he says that most people tend to overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And I think that is so true. So it's super important to know your direction. <laughs> But once you know the direction, uh, you should do everything you can in that direction. But it's hard to tell, you know, if it takes one year or two years. And uh, but as long as you do everything you you, you can, uh, you will eventually, you know, create big things. And do you have a third last thing here, or should we stop with two? No, we stop with two. Good. The second last question. This is just basically me fishing for other cool guests. So Pontus, I want to know. Which other two B2B socios uh, do you think are smart, interesting, and would like to listen to if I would interview them like you here in the podcast? Then I will go for Oivind Reid. Uh, I think that's his last name for Whereby, a Norwegian-based uh, company. Uh, and I actually don't know Oivind, but I, I, I spent one dinner together with him and, uh, and actually Louise Barnikov as well, but I saw that she was already on your show. But, uh, but it was a fantastic, interesting discussion with Oivind about uh, anything from uh, success in SaaS companies to failures to how you raise childs. So um, I think, uh, or children. So I think, you know, go, go for Oivind. And you said two now, so I should pick one more. Yeah, you said Louise, so people, I've interviewed her, so listen to Louise if you heard this. And do you have one more or should we stop with listen to Louise again and Oivind? Or do you have... I'm not sure if you've had Erik Fjällborg from Quinix. Good. No, I'm chasing him and he has he has said that he wants, but we haven't, yeah. So thank you, yeah. uh, Erik. If you or somebody in Erik's uh, close by listen to this, now you got another smart person that wants to listen to you. <laughs> Exactly. Go for that. 
We have arrived, arrived to the end, Pontus. And the last question, it's just me now. Uh, I'm putting my fingers crossed and hope that you will give me both a very inspirational answer, but yet some concrete numbers so you have a good North Star. And this is where will PE be in five years? We will be the de facto standard for tar our targeted industries. Our customers and employees will love us and are proud of us. Uh, and we will be seen by the market as, as the driving force behind automation and innovation in finance, payroll and sustainability. And I heard you saying you wanted numbers and I didn't give you a single number. So I think the reason for that is that I think just what we have discussed earlier, that it's, it's about setting the right direction and drive as hard as you can towards that direction. And if that will take us to 1 billion SEC revenue or 800 is, is actually not the most important thing. No, no. The other things that I mentioned are more important. And, and how, and if you said one, one billion sec in ARR, how, how big of a team approximately do you think you need to be to reach that five year goal? Probably be, need to be around the, the 500 mark. Then I got a very bit high level fluffy inspiration answer and I got something concrete around. <laughs> and people uh, that, uh, but uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck the upcoming years to reaching that Pontus. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you. Has been listening. If you like what you heard, two things here: press the subscription button, and also please tell a friend or colleague to listen to Pontus in B2B SaaS and Pontus. A huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. A pleasure, Joseph. Thank you.